الحمد لله الحمد لله في السراء والحمد لله في الضراء والحمد لله حين البأس والحمد لله على كل حال وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله القاهر فوق عباده يعلم السر وأخفى إذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون والله غالب على أمره ولكن أكثر الناس لا يعلمون وأشهد أن سيدنا ورسولنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وما ينطق عن الهوى إن هو إلا وحي يوحى وإنك لعلى خلق عظيم فستبصر ويبصرون من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يتوكل على الله فهو حسبه نعم المولى ونعم الحسيب أما بعد Dear brothers and sisters committed Muslims wherever you are We have ayat in our cherished Qur'an that have very clear meanings. Unfortunately, some of these ayat have been polluted by cultures and traditions, by power structures and worldly inclinations. We're going to take some of these ayat and try to dust off the centuries of ignorance and abandonment that have set into the Muslim public here and there and in many places. And these ayat are familiar to you. I'm sure when you when you hear them, you're going to say, yeah, I've heard this ayat probably a thousand times or more. 
The first ayah is in Surah Ali Imran. It says, "Waltakum minkum ummatun yad'oon ila al-khair, wa yamurun bil-ma'roof, wa yanhoon an al-munkar, wa ulaika hum al-muflihun." Ayah number one hundred and four in Surah Ali Imran. This ayah simply says there shall be of you, meaning the committed Muslims, because the ayat before that said referred to committed Muslims, there should be from among you a mass of people. An ummah in this context simply means a mass of people, a mass, a consolidated effort. وَلْتَكُمْ مِنْكُمْ أُمَّةِ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ Who call, invite, solicit for what is good and prosperous and wholesome. يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ Up until here, I I think the normal understanding is somewhat sound. But here's where the difficulty begins when we take on the rest of the ayah. the worn out translation to enjoin what is good and to forbid what is evil. That is with the force of our suffering we say that is a wrong translation. Ya'muruna bil ma'roof is you are in a position to Command. Amr is you give a command. Meaning you can have it happen. So when we when we are in a position to give a command, just like an officer gives a command to a an enlisted person, what is this command about? It's about al-ma'roof. Al-ma'roof is something that is the rightness and the virtue and the correctness of it is identifiable by everyone. That's ma'roof. Everyone knows it is commendable. Something is commendable. Everyone knows it. They could be a Muslim, they could be a Christian, they could be a Jew, they could be an atheist, they could be a capitalist, they could be a communist, they could, whatever they are, everyone knows what is commendable, what is ma'roof. Of course, you know, there's exceptions to the rule, meaning some people, individuals who are brainwashed, 
or some individuals whose thinking capacity is insufficient but what the majority of people know to be good is identifiable by every one of them that's ma'roof the opposite of that is al-munkar وَيَنْحَوْنَا عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ and they with some type of authority they can discontinue the munkar that is yanhaw so what's munkar? munkar is everything that everyone identifies to be repugnant against your common sense okay well, let's take an example someone goes up to someone else it doesn't just an average person let's say you're in a restaurant you're eating your food minding your own business and someone comes up to to slap you what do you say that's a ma'roof or a munkar everyone everyone knows this is a munkar i mean this is this is an offense al-ma'roof a person doesn't have a place to stay homeless you offer that person regardless of who the person is you offer that person a place to say what is that that's a ma'roof killing innocent people is a munkar offering nourishment to people who are in need of it is a ma'roof lying is a munkar everyone understands this telling the truth is a ma'roof another ayah 110 kuntum khayra in surah ali amran kuntum khayra ummatin ukhrijat linnas you are the best of the ummas that has been brought forth to interact with people and then there's a colon here you gain this description and this status by anything difficult about understanding this our difficulty that has set in to our masajid and our minds and our speakers etc the problem is they reduced the ma'roof and the munkar into a private or an individual sphere so al-ma'roof becomes something like brushing your teeth it's a ma'roof no one's going to tell you uh, brushing your teeth is something bad everyone knows it's something something good 
Getting rid of a, a najasa is ma'roof, at least among Muslims. You know, the other people, they don't have the concept of najasa. Okay, so this is ma'roof. What's a munkar? A munkar is in the family, the son or the daughter, they misbehave towards their parents. That's a munkar. No one's, no one's arguing that's not a munkar. What we are arguing is the reduction of the understanding of munkar into a very tight, limited, phobic circle. That's the problem. So no longer is the ma'roof, no longer is it offering sustenance and livelihood to Palestinians or to Kashmiris or to Muslims in Myanmar or Muslims in China or the other countless Muslims around the globe who no longer have a place to stay. No one wants to elevate the concept of ma'roof and munkar to understand it in that context. This is where our problem is. And when you give it a thought, why? Why did we reach this miserable level? Why? And you find it's, there's a very simple answer to that in one word, fear. In most of the cases, and in other cases, it's ignorance. The combination fear and ignorance, we find ourselves where we are now. The prophet of why? Why do they fear? Because they don't want to upset the ruler or the people who have power and wealth. They don't want to upset them, even though they are called ulama. And the prophet of Allah says, "Al ulama warathatul anbiya." The scholars inherit the prophets the scholars are the heirs h-e-i-r-s of the prophet of the prophets and why do we have our scholars silent or reacting something drastically and something horrendously happens then they react Al-Amr bil-Ma'roof and Al-Nahi an al-Munkar are not positions of reacting. They are positions of proacting. The Prophet of Allah, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his, says, Afdalu al-Jihad kalimatu haqqin fi wajhi sultanin ja'ir The best form of struggle is the word of truth in the face of a tyrant. Where, where did this go? Where? Look around. Who's, who are they who ascend the minbar on Friday or who speak 
in conferences and conventions. Who are they who can speak truth, Allah's truth, to power, to a shaitan's power? Who are they? Yeah, it's easy, you know, some people in the luxury of their own withdrawn community and withdrawn masjid, it's easy for them to try to find some little maybe irregularity some of the initial imams al-imam al-husayn and al-imam zayd they took issue with these who have power and have wealth unfortunately the people who were expected to support them did not support them and we had what we had all of you know the history and then we have some people playing politics they want to at one time appear to be with the rulers the tyrant rulers at one time and then at another time when it's when they feel comfortable they release some criticism measured criticism they don't have a constant and a sustained breath of truth against those who are stealing us to death and killing us to termination they don't have they don't do that why you muslims muslim public you should go up to them and speak to them and say well, you're you're just smart at trying to create internal dissension and when it comes to the major enemy who wants to do away with us oh it's no problem there you don't see any munkar they are doing that's that's a problem we have لا يتخذ المؤمنون الكافرين أولياء من دون المؤمنين ومن يفعل ذلك فليس من الله في شيء إلا أن تتقوا منهم تقا This ayah number 28 in Surah Al Imran says Never should the committed Muslims consider that those who are in opposition to Allah to be allies with them to have a working relationship with them and whoever does such a thing doesn't belong to Allah in any way فَلَيْسَ مِنَ اللَّهِ فِي شَيْءٍ إِلَّا أَن تَتَّقُوا مِنْهُمْ تُقَى there's one excuse and that is if you are in mortal danger the, this is an issue of life and death at that time you have permission to 
appear that you are on the other side, meaning not on the Islamic side. To appear. وَيُحَذِّرُكُمُ اللَّهُ نَفْسَهُ Allah is cautioning you against his own self, meaning his retribution and his final account with you is not going to be to your favor. Wallahu wa ilallahi al-masir. And eventually our final return is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are just a few samples from the Quran and the hadith of Allah's Prophet. May Allah's peace and blessings be upon him. These are a few examples. Now, let us go to some of either a hadith or fiqhi conclusions. One of them is related to Hudhayfa ibn al-Yaman that he said that the Prophet of Allah said, Isma' wa ata'a walaw daraba dhaharaka wa akhadha malak. You listen. We are told that this is a hadith, number one. This is not a hadith, but this, that's what we are told. And this hadith is saying, you listen and you obey. Meaning, if there's a ruler who is doing what is not Islamic, you listen and you obey. Even if he lashes your back and he takes your money. Where is this? This does this fit into Al-Amr bil-Ma'roof and Al-Nahi an al-Munkar? Does this fit into Afdalu Jihad Kalimatu Haqqin Fi Wajhi Sultan Jair? Does it fit in? I ask you. You ask yourselves. And more yet, go and ask these individuals who behave like this. And then you have these fiqhi now deductions these fiqhi type of rules. One of them says, Obedience is due to whomever overpowers, whoever has the power. No, what if the power is illegitimate? Is obedient due to illegitimate powers? Especially when we are speaking about our Islamic domain. Where did this come from? It came from fear. Initial fear was implanted in our fiqhi books and now we are burdened with it. And then another so-called fiqhi principle. إِذَا ظَلَمَكَ الْأَمِيرِ فَعَلَيْهِ الْوِزِرِ وَعَلَيْكَ الصَّبْرِ it's there. It says if a decision maker deals you injustice, he oppresses you, he offends you, he does a wrong to you, إِذَا ظَلَمَكَ الْأَمِيرِ فَعَلَيْهِ الْوِزِرِ The sin, so to speak, is his. 
And the patience is yours. Where did this come from? Where did this, which ayah, which surah, which Quran does this type of understanding fit in? And then yet another one. These are in fiqhi books. We're not making this up. And this is why we have this surrendering attitude. It says, Sultanun yakhafuhu ra'iyya khayrun lirra'iyya min sultanin yakhafuha. Listen to that. Which means... A person in power who is feared by his population is better for the population. I'm going to say this again. A person who has power who is feared by his citizens is better for the citizens than the decision maker fearing his own citizens. Allah. If these, and these have been, this has been the unspoken attitude and mentality of the Muslims throughout all of these ages. How, how does something like this fit into the ayat of the Qur'an, some of which we... You can go to the word al-ma'roof and al-munkar in the Qur'an and trace it. This is not, you know, something that just is mentioned once and twice in the Qur'an. Even though in the khutbah we have to sort of summarize and condense these things. But go trace the meanings of the Qur'an and see how, how did this come about? Where did this come from? Even the hadiths of the Prophet, لَتَأْمُرُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَلَتَنْهَوُنَّ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ You will most emphatically and indeed require the ma'roof. And you will most emphatically and indeed abhor and dismiss the munkar. And the hadith goes on, and we've quoted it many times before. But this is where we are, brothers and sisters. Go to these masajid, this masjid, another masjid, whatever, wherever you go. People are going just in circles and not capable of addressing the life and death issues that are moral issues. They say, oh no, if you speak about a political thing or an economic thing or a military thing, you are stepping outside of the moral circle. What do you mean? If there's a military that is killing people every day and I'm speaking out against that killing, that means I'm not a moral person? No, your silence is immorality. Not to speak about their some of their connivance with that. Their silence is immoral. لَتَأْمُرُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَلَتَنْهَوُنَّ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ 
the Prophet of Allah, the ayat of Allah, explain it very clearly. There's no excuse for those who are out there trying to play politics with the Qur'an and with the Prophet. Something, alhamdulillah, we have not done and we will never do as long as there is breath in our lungs and blood in our veins. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم أدعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلاته وسلامه على خاتم الأنبياء وسيد المرسلين ورحمة الله للعالمين أما بعد Let's take a look Let's open our minds and open up our hearts and take a look at the munkars that have been systemized and are in motion munkars that they say oh it's not it's not moral or it's not civilized to speak about we just had this past week two there's one country it's reported to have had the Eid before everyone else. But everyone else had their Eid on Tuesday or Wednesday. It just happened this week. Something you can see. Now, is this something that after the knowledge and the science and the information that is available, is this justifiable for Muslims to act very primitive and say we want to see the Hilal with our own eyes we still act like that I don't know how long it's going to take for maybe we need a university one university the whole effort of that university is to specialize in astronomy and meteorology so that we don't encounter this type of problem again. This is a munkar. What is happening every year, at least twice, at the beginning of the month of Ramadan and at the end of the month of Ramadan. Not, not to speak about the Hajj and Waqfat Arafat and Eid al-Adha and these things. We should have a very calculated keeping of time and then one of these people in Saudi Arabia said he comes up with a solution just day before yesterday he said he has a solution to all of this problem what's his solution he said he's going to put some telescope in Burj Mecca you know that clock tower that the Saudis built next to the Kaaba says he wants to put a telescope up there and that's going to solve the problem Who's he talking to? 
Are we that simple? Does he think Muslims don't have brains and minds to think with? With the trillions of dollars that Muslims have, we don't have one first grade observatory in the world. Number one observatory in the world. It's not that we don't have the money. It's that we don't have the psychology and the mentality that comes from a Quranic, divine, prophetic culture. We don't have that. And this brings us to some of the programs in Arabia. TV programs. Now, the TV programs are following the course that will lead them to Al-Hawiyah. The pits. We have television program in which someone appears on the program and says, Adam was not the first human being. Now, we've heard this before. This is not the first time this is being said. The point here, it's being said in a society that has been educated and indoctrinated to believe that. Why are they giving airtime that costs them I don't know how much because these are satellite TVs to a person to express himself like that what are they trying to say to their own society on the same program they bring another person we mentioned his name in a previous khutbah one of these who's supposed to be a well-known famous da'i scholar in Saudi Arabia and he says that the awakening, the movement of people in the past seven, eight years, we have to apologize for that. To put it in more understandable words, he said, it's not the right of the people to stand up against tyrants who are ruling them. They can't do that. See, we are back to what we said in the first khutbah. No Amr bil Maruf and no Nahi anil Munkar. All of this was a mistake. He says on TV, and we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us for that mistake. They bring another personality. On the same t- these TV programs are beginning to pick up. He says that it could have been possible that Muslim armies, when they left the Arabian Peninsula and he gave an example when the Muslims went to Andalusia what is today the Iberian subcontinent Spain and Portugal they committed war crime they acted in a way that in today's language says that they committed war crimes what where did this come from where's the waswas that is encouraging these people to publicly in front of I don't know millions of people say things like that now we have to feel guilty about our history this is coming out of Saudi Arabia isn't this a munkar yeah who's gonna who's gonna tell you 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 expect to hear this information from the minbars and we have many Muslims, hundred, probably hundreds of millions. I don't know. It's the, Alhamdulillah, the number is going down. Maybe tens of millions 
of Muslims who think Saudi Arabia is a paragon. It's a an example to be beholden. For those types of people who think that way, we ask them, wasn't it Saudi Arabia? This is, We're speaking about a munkar. I don't want anyone saying, oh, he's speaking politics in his khutbah. Well, if you're a secular-minded person and you're brainwashed that politics is one thing and Allah's words are something else, meaning human beings can get away with their crimes and we can't measure them by what Allah is saying, that's your problem. I'm sorry. I wish I could deal with you on a one-to-one basis, but I can't deal with you in a khutbah like this. This Saudi Arabia paid tens of billions of dollars to destroy Iraq. Iraq is a destroyed society. It's trying to rebuild itself. There are many difficulties. But who is responsible? Who is financing the destruction of a Muslim country? Going way back to the 1980s, all the way up until this very day, they are involved in destroying that Muslim country. Who was behind the undoing of the elections in Egypt? There was a free and fair election that took place around six years ago. Who destroyed it? Who was behind? Who was paying money to the military to reverse the elections? Wasn't it Saudi or isn't this a munkar? Shouldn't people speak about this munkar? Especially those who are supposed to be in the direction and on the course of the Prophet. There's a, they call him in the media a strong man. See the words they use? Especially when it comes to Libya. But Dafi was a strong man. Now Haftar is a strong man. Who's financing him? There, there's a, a policy to kill in Libya. And Haftar went to the United Arab Emirates and he went to Saudi Arabia a couple of months or so ago. He got the green light from them and then he came back to his own country and he began his attack on Tarablus where hundreds of people have been killed, thousands of people have been dislocated from their homes. Isn't this a munkar that you and I have to publicize as much as we can, the least we can do, not to remain silent and to make believe nothing is happening? The Lebanese Prime Minister goes to Saudi Arabia and the Saudi Arabians arrest him. This is Islamic behavior. This is what you, these are the ones you call Humat al Haramain al Sharifain, the guardians of the two noble sanctuaries, harams in Mecca and Medina. This is, this is Islamic behavior. This is a munkar. Who is financing? these terrorists in Syria where does the money come from where does the support come from where do the logistics come from ask yourselves 
In the past few weeks, hundreds of thousands of Syrians in the north of the country have been displaced. They had to leave in the Idlib area. They had to leave their homes because of the fighting that's going on. And that fighting is possible because of the Munkar coming out of the royal family in Arabia. Who has been now since 2015? Who has been at war in Yemen? Saudi Arabia launched a war of aggression against Yemen. The Yemenis were minding their own business. No one was fighting with the Saudis. No one was attacking the Saudis. No one was, had anything to do with them. And then all of a sudden, they go announce from here, from Washington, their ambassador, who became the foreign minister, declared war against Yemen. And they put a whole population now in very pathetic conditions. 18 million Yemenis may starve in this coming year. Isn't this a munkar? Why are people silent? Why are the masajid silent? Now we have a very serious disturbance in Sudan. I'm sure we've been following, even though in the khutbas I haven't been mentioning this, simply because it is the whole issue in Sudan, number one, is very delicate. And number two, there are people who are working behind the scenes in these past weeks. Now they've shown their faces. One of them, or a couple of them, they went to the United Arab Emirates and to Saudi Arabia in the past couple of weeks. And they came back home and they began killing their own people in Khartoum where the protests, the civic, popular protests are. Isn't this a munkar? They want to do in Sudan what they did in Egypt. Remember what happened in Egypt? The military opens fire on its own people and kills them. They want the Sudanese to do the same thing because the Sudanese are promised some money and support. Who's interfering? This is a munkar, another munkar, who is interfering in the internal affairs of Arab and Islamic peoples all around the world. Who's even here in Washington, D.C., who's interfering in the internal affairs of the Muslims? We're not blind, we're not dumb, we're not deaf. Isn't that a munkar? Who... who takes one of its own citizens in its own consulate and then chops him up to death. Isn't this a munkar? For those people who are incapable of thinking about military munkars and economic munkars, how about this? An innocent individual goes to have some bureaucratic procedural administrative work done in the consulate of his own country 
and he winds up being chopped to death. And no one even knows up until this very day where his remains are, if he has any remains left. Isn't this a munkar? Who right now is beginning to raise the diplomatic comfortable temperature with the Zionist colonizers of the Holy Land. They want to normalize relations with the enemy of Allah and the enemy of the committed Muslims and the enemy of humanity for that matter. Who is doing this? We gave examples in previous khutbas concerning some of the policies toward towards that end. In the past day, news has come out that 20 positions belonging to the Saudi government now have been taken over by Ansarullah from Yemen. And we hope this continues until the aggression comes to the Saudi aggression comes to an end. Concerning Salat al Eid, one of the indicators, one of the signs that appeared in this past week was for the first time since the best I can tell, 1994, which is 25 years. For the first time, the Palestinians don't agree with the Saudis on the day of Eid. That's a movement forward. Maybe from now on, the Eid, the time of Eid should be set by Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and not by those criminals who are ruling over Mecca and Al-Madina. In Morocco, there is supposed to be a carnival. And the authorities in Morocco canceled that carnival. You know who, who organized the, the carnival? An Israeli entertainer, she's a woman entertainer that wanted to have some type of and you know the type of entertainment they have a flagrant violation of Islamic moral codes the rulers there in Morocco feared a backlash from the people they said it's better for us to cancel this type of thing or else if they could have gotten away with it they would have done it and then Netanyahu the war criminal and his war criminal cabinet and his war criminal regime. They bring in a Moroccan. This Moroccan is a racist and he's a homo, homosexual. Why? Why is th they do this? Uh, now, why are they doing this? Because Muslims are not speaking about it. If this was common knowledge every week in all the masajid around, they wouldn't dare do anything like that.
Moroccans, either in Morocco or in colonized, uh, the colonized holy lands, they behave like we are nothing. And when our imams and our khatibs are deaf, dumb and blind to these facts, they can consider us nothings for the future to come. In Mecca, in Mecca, on Eid day or the day following Al Eid, you know what they had? They had hip hop music celebrating the Eid. Hip hop music. Mecca should be a red line. Oh no. They're getting away with a lot of things and they're just right now taking the pulse. How far can they go with these violations of Islam? Hip-hop music. And then one of the apologists said, hip-hop is originally from the Arabian Peninsula. In an area now that is called the United Arab Emirates and it's called Hayhuba. Hip-hop originally is Arabic Hayhuba. We've been defeated inside of our own selves. Saudi Arabia wants to crucify a child. One boy was 11 years old, was arrested on the bridge that links Saudi Arabia with Bahrain along with his family. And they have him in prison ever since then and now they want to execute him. For what they say? Because when he was 11 years old or 10 years old, he participated in some demonstration. And they want to execute ulama. How far is our silence going to be complicit in their crimes? Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna attiba'ah. وَأَرِنَا الْبَاطِلَ بَاطِلًا وَارْزُقْنَا اجْتِنَابَهُ وَلَا تَجْعَلْهُ مُلْتَبِسًا عَلَيْنَا وَاجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَاخِذْنَا إِنْ نَسِينَا أَوْ أَخْطَأْنَا رَبَّنَا وَلَا تَحْمِلْ عَلَيْنَا إِصْرَا كَمَا حَمَلْتَهُ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِنَا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وبارك على محمد وآل محمد كما صليت وباركت على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه
وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة اللهم رب هذه دعوة التامة والصلاة القائمة آت سيدنا محمد الوسيلة والفضيلة والدرجة العالية الرفيعة واضعف اللهم ما 